gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to a very special fighting in the war room. Not a makeup for not reviewing anything this past Friday because I don't know. There really wasn't re- anything. We're, we we were not seeing. Have minions. you heard that uh, Universal is making tons of money this year? Patches. <laughs> yeah. Because minions, uh, a they big spent, thing. They spent one billion dollars promoting Minions and uh, have made over a hundred million dollars back. So I hope that works out for them. Minions, it's gigantic. It's 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 and it's unfathomable. Like not, not here. Not even America is really where it's going to do its thing. But like the, we're not. That's talking true. About, I guess like, that's the beauty of having gibberish characters. You don't really have to translate them for other cultures. And you know, there's always going to be. I haven't seen Minions, and I doubt that I will see Minions unless it becomes a global phenomena. But it, as a fan of classic animation, I think there's always going to be room for the type of movies Minion wants to be, which is sort oh, of like slapstick, yeah. physical. Oh, my, my, I have little cousins, um, and my, my uncle sent me an email being like, should I take them to Minions? And I'm like, trust me, your kids are going to force you to Minions. So yeah. why are you even asking me if it's good or not? Kids love Minions. It's insane. Is this what happens when we don't have, like, uh, you know, enough warner brothers cartoons on television and well i think spongebob dominated for a long time the spongebob movie did pretty well uh back in february and now we have minions kind of dominating and taking not taking a place of spongebob but i did see a few people running like the next spongebob is minions and they're right i mean they already have been that way since uh despicable me but now you really are just gonna pump out that minion stuff i'm sure do they have a cartoon? Do they have a series also? Probably. I mean, this they is... Have the, a, if they didn't yet, they're going to. Yeah. This this weekend means yes. Uh, Zillion minions. minions stings. Minions everywhere. It's going to be... It's going to be amazing. This is the a great uh, Fighting in the War Rooms Minions special we were doing. Yeah, the Minions shared universe. Well, that's what I was going to get at. We're jumping to comic. They're going to have a Minions comic. I'm sure, or if they don't already, and they're gonna, there's gonna be a shared u- universe where like super minions do one thing, and other minions one minion movie a year for the rest of our lives. Yeah, no, I'm interested in who uh, they find to lead them uh, next year. <laughs> yeah, they need a story collective to write minion movies. Oh God, uh, why does this make sense? Because we're gonna talk about Comic Con to make up for not having a Friday review, uh, and because Dave and I are probably the only ones who really care. David doesn't care at all. In fact, spent a, a significant portion of his weekend railing aggressively, against not caring. Yeah, uh, good for him. Whatever he can enjoy his life however he pleases. He's not on this podcast. And Katie has a real life to live, where people like get married and there's joy and it's wonderful. And so she's been doing that. So you and I spent the weekend watching like Twitter and stuff, soaking yeah, like up Comic Con, San, San Diego Couch Con, which worked <laughs> so well this year. It's getting easier and easier to do it. This so, I don't know so if you really have to go anymore. I mean, the good thing is that there's a good balance this year in between stuff that had to be an experience and uh, stuff that uh, everybody was just going to know about. That's anyway. true. Everyone who makes fun of Comic-Con who has never been doesn't realize why it's fun. Like, to be in Hall H and see, you know, I was there the year the Avengers assembled the first time, and I, I was 
applauding and, and roaring just like the rest of the crowd. It was a lot of fun. It was a rock concert. It was like seeing your heroes up there. It's really cool. Um, and this year, I think, I guess it was X-Men really pulled that off. I mean, everyone got their moment. The Batman or the Warner Brothers stuff, the DC Comics was a big hoopla, but uh, the X-Men and all the extended Marvel Fox-owned universe got in a big selfie. And they that, that was a huge moment, I think, just based on tremors I was feeling over here on the other coast. Right. Well, and, and the one that I'm going to attempt to talk about pretty soon that you don't want to know anything about. Oh, uh, yeah. Star that seems Wars. to be stirring people up. But I would not know because Star Wars is completely off my radar, remains off. I'm very happy to say that I made it through. San Diego Comic-Con weekend without really hearing anything about about whatever Star Wars Episode 7 is about or like what people have been talking about. I am aware that John Williams – was John Williams there at this concert they threw? No. Let's do okay. this. Let's do this now. This is a great way to start let's it off. Let's just get the Star Wars out of the way because I challenged you to talk about it without actually referencing anything that would be considered a spoiler for my challenge. And they um, gave me and a that's great, everything. They so. gave me a great panel uh, to which I could now – describe basically the whole panel to you really i'm I'm so worried about this you have to understand that i've been really going to to great lengths to avoid anything about star wars that could be considered a spoiler which i'm being one of those you know crazy people about it so i i challenge you but i am very scared about this i appreciate you putting your uh enjoyment of the next star wars films in my in my hands but i really (laughs) think i could describe this comic-con panel which really i I think even know who was on it i don't know who sat on the panel except for the major players who we i mean this is what i know about star wars Kind okay. of who's in it. Yeah. Some of the people, you know, I know that like Oscar Isaac is in it too. Yes. I, I, I know, I, I really started swearing everything off after seeing that cast photo. I did see that photo and that was around the time where I'm like, I'm doing this. I'm not going to read anything else. All right. I, so all we know is the cast photo. All you know is the cast photo. Yeah. So I can I, still do it. Know, I can still do it. Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher are also in it. I don't know who, who is playing who. I don't know anything about that. I don't know. The, you know the motivations i don't know the setup i don't know anything about it except that it is a continuation of the original trilogy of star wars and has some of the original players has some new people and that is it which is great because uh with uh d23 coming up in the fall um and jj abrams saying confirming before the panel that that is where the next trailer is going to show up uh disney instead brought um just like a reassuring hand pat on the back to everybody at Comic-Con that they, the, this is still a fan-motivated reboot of a gigantic money-making franchise. So the panel itself was just more like, deep. it was like, hey, you can trust us. We're going to make you feel at home. So J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy came out, and they introduced a behind-the-scenes reel, which is now on YouTube, which was great of Disney to release uh, simultaneously uh, with the end of the panel. Uh, that is, shows a lot of uh, physical effects. It shows uh, Simon Pegg saying it's you know he's so happy he got to visit the set. Um, oh Jesus Christ! You almost I almost crapped for you just saying that because I'm like wait he's in it. Um, but no, he was just visiting. Okay, no, this it's is, like I'm, this is starting to get dangerous they, already. They're, they're just showing like literally behind the scenes things of like the first slates on day one, you know, and there's like a yes. John Williams score like over. Kevin Smith went, so that he's not in the movie. Simon Pegg visited; he's not in the movie. They show footage of him visiting the set. Okay, oh, Simon Pegg, close, the, the part call. that I'm describing, and then they show some aliens uh, that. Uh, the practical effect aliens that people basically nothing that people hadn't seen in the Vanity Fair spread, which I, I know you didn't look at, but for our podcast listeners, 
I have to give a shout out to my girlfriend who I get Vanity Fair magazine. And when it arrived to our apartment, um, she beat me home and she threw it in the trash can. She got it and threw it in the trash can. And I never saw it. And I'm so proud of her. Well, good. You uh, could have seen some aliens, but now you're going to see them fresh. But you, the important thing that this uh, panel wanted to demonstrate to people is that they are going to be practical effect aliens. And um, so much so that they had one that was a practical effect uh, walk across the stage, and he nippled on J.J. Abrams' badge a little bit, and everyone was thrilled. Now I know that there are, are there are like aliens non- in Star Wars, non-humanoid aliens. Yeah, you know, yeah. I would have just assumed that they were all kind of sentient or, or at least alive enough to communicate with different human characters. But now I know that there are wild ones. Great, thanks. Wait, what did you make me say? Make you <laughs> I, thought it was wild? Oh, that's true. It could just nibble. It just likes. To, you know what? Jar Jar Binks liked to nibble. He grabbed food with his long tongue, and he wasn't supposed to. And he could talk to people. So you're right. Everything is would, uh, still a possibility. I, I would say there are things about this character that I'm not going to describe <laughs> to you that would suggest that it is not wild. Whoa! I can't wait. And we might. I might even know a name for this character that might even not even be in the movie because that's how obsessive Star Wars fans are at their own panel. But. <laughs> Neither here nor there. So then they um, brought out uh, the new cast members that they had brought out at Star Wars Celebration and uh, did a sort of a retread of uh, the setup of the characters that was given there. And then we got uh, a couple new cast members came out. The ones in the photo that you know about that won't be spoilers for you are uh, Adam Driver and Tom Holland. Whoa, I don't. Oh, the cast, you mean? I thought you meant the. Uh... The characters. No, I, yeah, I know Adam Driver's well, in the movie, yes. but don't tell me who he's playing. Right. We got to figure out who those people are playing for the first time. So that was a, basically the most new information we got. Dom Hall Gleason also let one name of something slip that J.J. Abrams looked pissed about. I can't, was, I can't imagine how J.J. Abrams sat through this panel, mostly because J.J. Abrams wishes everyone was like me leading up to this movie, I think. So he's like letting everything out of his, his mystery box. This I is... mean, it, the one thing is that it's been fun to watch Star Wars roll out because they're not really like exposing that much about the story. But I also have like a calendar from Hasbro. It's like a countdown to Force Friday in September when all the new material like comes out. So it's like they have like a ticking calendar where it's like you could say this character's name after blankety blank date. And so it's interesting that, like, this is a more controlled mystery box rollout than Khan. He's still got it under his, like, control. And it's Wait, be- that calendar has Force Awakens spoilers in it? No. I actually have it on my desk, no, but no, I, I've no, kept it open on the Yaddle page. Only. It has no Force Awakens spoilers on it, but it's counting down to Force Friday, which is oh. when the Force Awakens spoilers toys come out. Oh, God. Uh, one of which was also debuted at uh, Comic-Con. It's, uh, it's a 26-inch spaceship. <laughs> I you like know, how you big you're, go- you're going. Yes, anyway, our listeners are very much enjoying this. So we had some new, uh, we got some new characters uh, coming out, and they uh, attempted. The moderator attempted to um, divide them into good characters and bad characters, which Adam Driver took uh, issue to, saying, you know, things are more complex now in the Star Wars universe. And then um, the, I guess, parade of joy started. With uh, uh, Carrie Fisher came out, big cheers. Mark Hamill came out, big cheers. And everyone's like, oh my God, it's going to happen. And then Harrison Ford comes out and is like, 
so back up back on Team Star Wars. I mean, maybe he was never on Team Star Wars, but he's definitely. I'm on pretty Team sure Star that's the joy of his of of Han Solo is that he was never on Team Star Wars. I kept thinking about that. Now that they're going to make this Han Solo spinoff movie, and like, who would you cast as Han Solo? And like I keep someone th- who doesn't want it. Yes, exactly. It has to be someone who hates geeks and fandom. And actually, uh, you know, Dylan O'Brien, who's in the uh, the Maze Runner movies, his name got thrown around for Spider-Man a lot. Yeah. But I'm starting to think that he could be a better Han Solo because I know, I mean, having met him and did this uh, Mac or the Maze Runner panel at Tribeca and, and just watching him interact with these nuts – he hates it. He hates fandom so oh, yeah. much. I mean, he would be great as Han Solo. I think he has. He must be so angry. I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but I got to hang out with him a little bit on like an overnight shoot for the Maze Runner for on like a set visit. Oh yeah, and like uh, like we both went to craft services at the same time, so I like got a little bit of one on one time, and like that. Gosh, dude, you were like, oh my god, sign my Teen Wolf T shirt. Well, it's like it was it was like a weird thing where it's like this guy has like so much charisma coming out of him, but like literally is like could be just a player piano for all I know. It's like he's (laughs) here. He is adapting like this book that's going to be like the male Twilight, you know, series and, you know, all these other journalists are like, so, you know, in the book, you know, they have like this psychic connection. Is that going to like play out? And he's like, what we filmed so far has been really fun. You know, I really enjoy hanging out with the cast. And I'm like, oh, Dylan O'Brien, you're going to be a star. <laughs> yeah, what a piece of shit. He, the, could, he could play young Harrison Ford with that attitude. Well, anyway. see, the thing is, is that he's one of those, uh, first of all, all actors, if you get down to it, are mostly pieces of shit. So it's like, I'm, no, I'm very pro Dylan O'Brien. I don't want to sound anti Dylan O'Brien. His only problem is he's, he doesn't seem very funny. Harrison Ford at least seems like he has a sense of humor or he can be sarcastic about things he doesn't like. Yeah, and I mean, we'll get to this when we get to the Deadpool panel, but it's not like Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool where it's like the the star is the motivating engine behind the movie getting made and its promotion. Like the story is like Ryan Reynolds wanted to make this movie. No one's ever going to be like Dylan O'Brien really wanted to be Han Solo. It's just going to be like Dylan O'Brien got cast as Han Solo. But anyway, neither here nor there. And that definitely did not happen at the panel. Uh, we got no future movie news, so that's a little surprising. Considering, I mean, I guess they're holding stuff back for D twenty three, perhaps. I don't know, but um, just because they rolled so much out at Celebration, you think just play that Star Wars Rogue One trailer or have Gareth come out or you know all this news that broke. I figured that was news that would have broke at the panel. But, yeah, oh. I think they might still be holding back. I mean, they said that Rogue One was going to start filming in three weeks, um, but I think they still have to hold back because we're too close to uh, Rogue Nation. Like, I think that's actually a thing. Oh, because it's confusing title-wise. Well, they're they're already they've already made an agreement uh, with Paramount to not like press Rogue One in the press until Rogue Nation sort of clears theaters. That's really they interesting. They made like a gentleman's agreement. Also, do you think that the standalone Han Solo movie is going to be called Star Wars Anthology Han Solo? No. I think uh, we're talking about it as a young Han Solo movie because that's the time period it's going to be set in. But the story itself is going to be a more integral part to something else that we just don't know yet. Oh, so it'll have a real name. It'll be like an adventure title. Well, like I think Rogue One might also have Boba Fett in it because, you know, now that we know what the movie is... 
like what that was probably what we were talking about when we were talking about rumors of a Boba Fett movie because it's That's like interesting. It's, it's more about the time period and less about like right, right, like, right. No one wants like a Yoda origins movie, but a movie God, set no. in the Star Wars universe when Yoda was like maybe only a hundred and two. I could maybe go with Boba that. Fett being in the Rogue One is something I can really get behind. Boba Fett doing anything alone is something that will will start to erode my Star Wars enthusiasm. And that's quick. that's like what this panel was about is they're trying to build like trust with the fandom before any of these movies come out. And like assuming the movies are good, suddenly you'll be able to trust. So when they're like, we're going to do a young Han Solo movie, <laughs> you're like, that doesn't sound crappy because they did this. If seven is bad, I mean, well, how do we even go forward? The, the, the funny thing is, I really don't think there's a way for it to be bad. And this is part of the enjoyment I've had cutting spoilers out. I've just been really excited for it. Um, and I don't let anything challenge that perception, that just anticipation. I think it's totally fine, you know, as, as someone who needs to write critical takes on a weekly basis to be excited for a movie um, and to try and preserve that enthusiasm in some way. Now, it does distract, I suppose. A lot of people lost their minds over episode one and people don't really like that movie anymore. Right. Um, but well, I, I mean, th- I, I was just going to say episode one is not a good movie. So that's well, it's better what, than Return of the Jedi, as we've discussed previously. On but this, I mean, uh, that's what happens <laughs> if episode seven's bad. It's just like, oh, here we go again. Like right. the people, the people who are in the bag already are going to be like, oh, oh. I, I guess it's, I guess trilogy. it's, uh, it's encouraging that Ryan Johnson, who seems very particular. I mean, I actually probably stand in a minority here thinking that his films are merely good and not great. I've never really loved any of Ryan's films. I think he is an extremely intelligent filmmaker and takes a lot of risks, which is great. You want to see risks on screen, um, and if even if they fail, and I think some of the, his risks have failed, but it's encouraging to see him sign on to episode eight. If only because that that gives seven a stamp of approval. Well, I mean, he's doing Something. eight and writing nine, right, right, so right. he. But he wouldn't do it unless he felt like, you know, he was getting the kick the, uh, from a from a great you know player. A well, I mean, it's interesting because in terms of uh, we'll get to know this, you know, once this movie becomes part of history. But from what I understand, J.J. Abrams came in and was like, "Well, we're not telling this story." And like sort of started from scratch. So it's right, interesting to John me. Right, because John Arndt wrote a draft of the film. Right. And so it's interesting to me that uh, Ryan Johnson came in and looked at the news story and was like, I know exactly how this ends in two more parts. Yeah, that is crazy, especially because Kasdan was such a huge part of this episode seven. And now Kasdan is coming to the Han Solo movie with his son. Mm-hmm. Crazy. It's right. a real family. It's family. You know, it's like Fast and the Furious, Star Wars family. And that's sort of where the end of the panel ended up, where it's like Harrison Ford talking about great, great to be back, and, you know, his foot's all healed, and he loved the script, and, you know, basically everything Harrison Ford <laughs> says promoting every movie he's doing, but, like, actually smiling, which felt weird. The panel, this was the last time, I think this was the first time he's been to Comic-Con since Cowboys and Aliens, which he also kind of looked excited for, but I imagine that this might have been a better time for right. him. A sure thing, perhaps? Maybe. And then, well, the, the, the kicker to the whole panel is they end, didn't show any like new footage like we were expecting. Uh, well, they said they weren't going to, but we thought maybe it'd be a surprise, and like no announcements about future movies, but J.J. Abrams like, who wants to go to a concert? And they hand out 6,500 lanyards to everybody in Hall H, and a whole army of stormtroopers comes out, parades them all around to the marina, where uh, John Williams has uh, recorded a hello message. He's still working on the score, so he wasn't actually there. But the 
he gave uh, some music uh, montage of uh, good old original Star Wars uh, scoring to the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra. And everyone got a lightsaber, and the entire cast from the panel ended, showed up there, including Harrison Ford, who was like making jokes by like pretending to use a lightsaber like a cane and hobbling out on stage and like smiling and like kissing Carrie Fisher. And it was like, it was uh, wow. I well, almost I was uh, Joanna Robinson, who uh, I do the Thought Bubble podcast with, and you know she's been on this show. Yeah, we you, know her. You guys know Joanna Robinson. She was there for Vanity Fair. And um, I was sort of covering the panel live, and as soon as they said the concert thing, I started like texting her like, "Be safe, so jealous." And then, as like I found like a stream of the concert, and so I like had my headphones in, and I was like text messaging wow. her like Wait, the, through Periscope. Yeah, through Periscope. Wow, stream this is concert. the future. I know, and it was great. And then like I was like texting her like, "This is the asteroid field," or like, "Here's Leia's lump thing," or like, "This is Anakin's thing." And then like uh, when. The fireworks went off for like the final, uh, the final uh, time. I just texted like if I was there, I'd just be crying because it was like I was all psyched to have like new information to talk about with like the Force Awakens, and they just reminded me that just Star Wars is enough. And I was right. like, oh damn, way to drop the mic on Comic Con, and then also uh, literally walk everybody out of Hall H right as Kevin Smith's panel was starting. Which yeah, was those pictures look devastating. I mean, just of the empty theater, especially because he's been such a uh, a vocal advocate for J.J. Abrams and this movie. He was oh. one of the first people to be like, you know, they started shooting two weeks in. Kevin Smith goes to set and he comes back and he's like, Star Wars 7 looks fucking amazing. I mean, I think that might be part of it. Bone. <laughs> I mean, I think that might be why it's like it's a friendly elbow that they don't care. They emptied out Hall H for his panel and didn't tell him because like Kevin Smith besides making a career in movies, also pokes his head in the zeitgeist by talking about sets he's been to or Batman suits he's seen. Is he never supposed to? Uh, Do you think that's the problem? I don't know. I mean, it seems weird that, like, I I think some movies do it, so it's like, well, Kevin Smith does this, so he gives us the thumbs up. But he, like, gives the thumbs up to goddamn everything. He gave the thumbs up to Revenge of the Sith and was like, this is, um, like, worthy of being in the original trilogy, like, two months before. And, like, <laughs> suckered his review suckered me into buying, uh, like, midnight screening tickets uh, much earlier than I was going to. And then, you know. <laughs> so you would buy them either way. You were going to be seeing Revenge of the Sith at midnight no matter what. Once they re-released, just a little earlier. Once they re-released the original trilogy, I was like, I'm going to have the opportunity to see every Star Wars movie at midnight. So I will go to The Force Awakens at midnight, too, even though I'm going to get a press screening. His, uh, he, he actually dropped some news about his movie that uh, he made. Oh, did he? I didn't pay attention. You didn't to... see this? Um, yeah, so he's shooting this movie in Canada that is a spinoff of um, what Tusk, right? And it's with his uh, yoga, daughter. Yoga Hosers? Yeah, Yoga Hosers. And Yoga Hosers, I mean, I did not read too much about this, but I saw this picture floating around Twitter, and it is... It is like a. It has a monster in it, and it's like Hitler as a sausage, or something. Oh, uh, I can't remember what it's called. I'm look. I'm trying to look it up now, but obviously, not many people were there for it. Right. Uh, so, no one really covered the panel, unfortunately. But yeah, if you look up yoga hosers at this point, there's a picture of this sausage Hitler that looks pretty cool in terms of just like practical effect makeup, but. 
what the fuck is that movie going to be about? Who knows? I'm I like, enjoyed Tusk. I'm one of the only defenders. I uh, So I'm kind of in a renewed state with Kevin Smith. I, I'll give this movie a chance. Although the worst part of Tusk is when you sh- these two girls show up. So mm-hmm. eh. I watched uh, Red State and I'm like, I'll come back for something that interests me. And that, that hasn't been yet. Maybe more okay, so Comic Con, yeah, Comic Con did not end with Star Wars. No, Maybe that was sh- this, that was this Friday. Uh, yeah, Saturday the big event was uh, Warner Brothers, but uh, it, it's crazy how little seems to happen at Comic Con until Saturday. Like everything went down on Saturday. We were talking. I mean, actually, the only thing, the other thing that happened on Friday. This is pertinent to us before we get to Saturday. Is Cora had a panel? Cora did have a panel, and they're going to uh, continue it in uh, comics with Dark Horse. Yeah, people were very angry at that panel because they were talking about nothing, I guess. They were just kind of spinning wheels. Um, people wanted a new series or they wanted they wanted new info. And they were just talking about the art of Korra book. And everyone was like, ah, give us something new. And yeah, they're doing these Dark Horse Korasami books, uh, which will be interesting. Uh, uh, I'm not sure they're going to be Korasami books. I think they're going to include Korasami I think I thought that was the dot on the conversation. That was kind of like these are, are going to be about Korra and Asami's trips. That was the, the weird trips. thing about the panel is that they're like talking around it and like kind of patting themselves on the back for making this great choice, which you know they deserve. I'm not like shirking them for that, but they were more like, "In this upcoming comics, is going to take place directly after the finale, and Korra is you know going to be a thing. We're going to address it." But like it was sort of like we're going to address it and mention it. I don't think it's going to be the focus. But I mean, the, the art that they presented at the panel was a picture of them coming out of the beam that they went into at the right. in, in the finale. So it was the two of them like hugging and walking out. I uh, mean, maybe um, it's also what I want to hear because to me, uh, it's making Korra suddenly about her relationship to Asami is also not good. Like, yeah, no. I mean, it, how could it, be, it can't be just about that. Right. Uh, but I'm, I'm not sure. They didn't really explain what is actually going to be. <laughs> They're just doing the comics. Um, so we'll have to read those and listen to uh, everyone should listen to our Republic City Dispatch yeah. uh, podcast. Apparently, there are people who are now revisiting the series and discovering that podcast and enjoying the hell out of it. I don't want to toot our own horn, Dave, but uh, we did a really good job. With it's, that. A, it's a fun watch along. Like maybe we should. Uh, yeah. Like do do that do that ourselves i would like to listen to our wrong predictions from season one again (laughs) we made some very bold very incorrect (laughs) to to be fair there wasn't going to be seasons two three and four when we were making those predictions but it was fun all the same bolin you're dead as far as i'm concerned back in like (laughs) book one um so that's that's cora that was friday but then what happened saturday um saturday Yeah, big big things happened. Uh, Warner Brothers sort of panel was, I guess, the centerpiece. Uh, they got some Suicide Squad footage, got a new Pan trailer, and Hugh Jackman is gonna hype Pan like it's his business. <laughs> he is a great hype man, I must say. He's like, you have never seen Pan like this before, and I'm like, I think I have. I think it was kind of in hook, but you know what? This this. Movie. The movie looked pretty good. I don't think they released the trailer that they showed. No, I got to uh, at the, at this point they were shutting down a whole bunch of periscopes, so I only got to hear the audio. But it sounds <laughs> like Hugh Jackman is doing something really crazy with Blackbeard. And you know what? Uh, I will see Joe Wright attempt anything. And all the trailers that they've released have looked really cool. Like the vibe of it 
is true adventure, fantasy adventure, which is, I think, the reason people like Hook, you know, over the past few years, I feel. Especially Hook has taken a lot of shit as being a horrible movie. And it's not a great movie, but it does have that sense of, of grand adventure. And the sets for Pan look big, and the special effects look pretty dazzling and inventive. And this is the I first don't know, I'm kind of down with it. This is the first Garrett Hudlin performance where I'm like, I really want you to be good in this, please. I like, love the part of the trailer where he comes up to Pan. He's like, "Lost track of time." Yeah, yeah, that was the best part. Yeah, that's that's a great part. That was my favorite. That was my favorite part of it. You're ruining it for me already. Lost track of time. I just want him to define his <laughs> niche that like he seems to have in him. And I just, think his niche is inside Lewin Davis, not really talking and just kind of staring out a window like he's some beat poet. I think he does the exact same thing in On the Road. Yeah, but On the Road not as good. No, as, as, I mean I don't I don't know. He's finding his inner Kerouac. If you want to talk about uh, someone that is probably on the short list to play young Han Solo. I could see that, maybe. He I know seems, he's also... He does I mean, seem kind of funny in uh, Pan. Uh, he does play this kind of like... Actually, he reminds me of Hemingway or something in Pan. He's kind of this rambling adventurer and, you know, always getting into trouble. He can't really solve any problems. And I have no idea how the mythology adds up to what we know of as Peter Pan and that kind of... The Disney story or something. Yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah. Do you want some you want some hot Garrett Hedlund rumors? Yeah. Wait. As long as it doesn't have to do with Star Wars Episode Seven. <laughs> yes, not with episode seven. Oh. But uh, you know how Disney basically, they're like, we're doing Tron 3, and Disney came out. I was like, nope. Uh, yeah, I I'm, think that, I'm the only person who's sad about it. I think that has mostly to do because Disney wants to put Garrett Hedlund on something else in the future. That's interesting. And they were like, yeah, Tron Han 3 schedule, that's going to be no good. I would say Han Solo is up there. I would say Indiana Jones is probably up there. But I think Disney Ooh. wants to make Hedlund happen. I'd actually rather he be in Indiana Jones than someone like Chris Pratt, which everyone wants to be in Indiana Jones. Well, if his hook is roguish and uh, adventuresome in Pan. Oh, my God. It's all adding up. I mean, look, I just want to like Garrett Hudland. It's not like Sam Worthington where I don't want to like him, but he's in everything and it's just... Like you put up with it, or no, Garrett Hedlund has charm. Yeah, Sam not- Worthington has bulk, and I actually like Sam Worthington in certain things. Yeah, Sabotage the, being one of them. Of the many people who are not Jai Courtney, he's the one I like. Garrett Hedlund. Fuck you, Jai Courtney. You're really ruining everything. Yep. Speaking of Jai Courtney, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. You probably Squad. did watch that footage. I did. Illegally. Yep. And now it is leaked. I think, uh, but like it's, anything that there. anything that has the Joker is going to leak. Um, it's sort of part of the mystique, I think, of it. Jared Leto doing the Joker, kind of just talking like Jared Leto. It's totally different than Heath Ledger. He's not trying to do like a big cackly. He's not even doing Mark Hamill from the cartoons. And I guess like here's the thing: we'll mash uh, Batman vs Superman, which everybody did get to see uh, on YouTube with Suicide Squad. In I'm so happy Suicide Squad does not look like Batman vs Superman. Like everything's gritty, but Batman vs Superman is like cartoon texture Zack Snyder speed ramping bomb and yeah. Suicide Squad looks like it knows what it is. And but the, it didn't seem very funny based on I, I was expecting something kookier or crazier. I or, mean you've, you heard the quote unquote no jokes rule at right. Warner Brothers but like but is yeah. it still in play? I, I think so. I mean the weird thing about the Suicide Squad is uh, like especially with having things like Killer Croc on the team Right. It's like I'm wondering if it's going to be tongue in cheek 
while being deadpan because it is ridiculous and it's got to know that at some point. But if it doesn't own that, like that's an interesting balance to try to hit. And I'm more psyched for Suicide Squad than Batman vs Superman at this point. Now does yeah. Two questions for you about Suicide Squad. The footage that they showed was very it was very brief. It was just basically like look at these characters come to life. I don't did they show anything with Will Smith? I can't even yeah. Like a little bit of what did he do in the trailer? Gloward. He's just like, hey, I'm Will Smith. I'm, well, they had I, got, one, I got a gun. They had one shot where he's like, we're, we're, what are we, some sort of suicide squad? No, no, no. He's like, oh, God. <laughs> so someone, someone does say that, but uh, that's not Will Smith. Uh, Will Smith's something like, uh, here comes the cavalry to save the world or something cynical like that. Well, so I was trying to describe this movie to my girlfriend and i'm like they're all bad guys but they've been teamed up to by the the government to like solve a problem because they're the ones who they don't mind if they die in action or something is yeah, that, they could, is like, that di- accurate they, they could like disavow them if things go what? south who is the bad guy uh the trailer doesn't the trailer basically lays out the premise of the suicide squad so it has amanda waller sit down and basically like talking like senators or something it's like i want to make this team with viola davis right that's gonna be great oh yeah she's great in the she's the one delivering the nonsense in a gritty voice and makes it work in this trailer but just like yeah we got to put together a team so we could disavow them if things go wrong and they could take care of problems that we don't uh i think I have a vague idea of what Suicide Squad's about, but why spoil that if they didn't talk about <laughs> it at the panel? That's true. We shouldn't. We'll, we'll get a little spoilery, but maybe not super spoilery if it was if it didn't come out at Comic Con. If Comic Con can't even spoil it for you, I guess the weird thing we about shouldn't be those guys. yeah, both of these trailers being together is Batman's in the Suicide Squad trailer and the wait Bat- he is yeah that, that sh- footage they shot. I mean that was like two weeks ago. I guess they're still in the middle of shooting it, but yeah, um, they have that shot of Batman on top of the Joker car. Wow. Uh, yeah. No, so that's what's interesting. Uh, there's a Joker reference in the Batman Superman trailer, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a second. But right, that's uh, what I was leading like to. Robin's is... Robin's costume is there with the ha 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 ha. And uh, someone sends him that uh, you killed your family on the destruction of Wayne Manor newspaper that looks like the Joker's right, handwriting. Right, that does look a little Jokery. Um, but do you think Joker shows up in the movie? Yes. In like a flashback? Yes. Wow. Okay. That's cool. Um, uh, see, the thing is that I, uh, if you would have asked me to take the scene that they showed at the end of the Suicide Squad trailer of uh, Joker saying, I'm not going to kill you, I'm just going to hurt you very, very bad, I would say that that actually might be in Batman v Superman. Really? Oh, if it didn't, if it hadn't appeared in that montage. I, I think the or you DC, still think it could be. I think the DC universe is fluid enough that like uh, this <laughs> they're is, just chopping up the movies and well because I would expect uh, like uh, but they got to set up that Joker's caught at some point uh, v Batman v Superman but we, they also have to set up that Batman's been around for long enough to as Jeremy Irons says in the trailer you know make men cruel or whatever. Like mm. I think we're gonna see Batman lose Robin to the Joker. Like in I think, the movie, I think you have to plant that um, in one of. I think like you're gonna have to plant that is if Joker does get caught at the beginning of Suicide Squad, which is what we're seeing uh, filming on the streets. Then I think you got to plant uh, Joker as a credible threat in Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. I guess there was that. Uh rumor because of what's her name's hair mm-hmm. she was going to play Rod, jenna malone jenna malone had like 
crazy red hair, and everyone thought that she might be Robin in the movie, but that really never panned out. People were just I going on spy photos, I and she it, visited the set. I think it's definitely Jason Jason Todd Robin uh, that was killed by the Joker. Then that's why you know the writing is on the on the yeah, suit. The suit doesn't look very feminine. But I don't would, know what like if so like if I I would have said that Joker uh, kills Robin is something that appears in Batman v Superman in a flashback, but. It looks like from the like he's being taunted by the Joker, so it's also weird now that his apprehension is going to be in a different movie. So it's like I'm a little <laughs> jumbled on how DC is handling its universe, but I'm very encouraged with this. Uh, There's a lot of universe. That's that's what we do know after Comic Con. I'm encouraged There's with striding directly sh- into it because yeah, then that's it's like cool. I don't have to put up with a you know solo movie that could be bad for all these people. And I like the everything about the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice trailer that has to do with uh, you know how Bruce Wayne sees Superman. I dig. Like I think yeah, that is cool that that they're you know they're kind of doing an alternate perspective of the big finale in Man of Steel from. Bruce Wayne is there for some reason and helping people and like watching buildings fall down. Yeah. And like right, there's that one shot where he's running towards the Falling cloud build. of smoke and yeah. everybody else is running away. And I'm like, you got it. Old grumpy Bruce Wayne. Like I know this character and like even if Ben Affleck's growling doesn't look quite old enough for that version of the character, like I'm, I'm digging it. Although if there's something like if there's a giant alien or a threat attacking Metropolis, why is Bruce Wayne not in Batman mode trying to help? I mean, I'm sure at some point that that'll be discussed or maybe it won't, but like, I'm more worried at this point. Like once these characters start moving, the movie starts making no sense to me. visually. <laughs> uh, they move like rubber. Uh, they have no weight. There's a shot where... Well, I do kind of like... I, I, I bet I can predict the shot you're about to talk about. Okay, Are go you going to talk about the Batman when he jumps up onto the like side of a building and then does his little, like... Dark Knight uh, pose? Yeah, yeah, and then shoots himself to the other side of the... or whips himself around? You mean where Batman moves faster than Superman can open his eyes? <laughs> yes! <laughs> uh, that was actually not the thing I was going to bring up, because that oh, is fuck. like... I mean, I mean, I see it's Zack Snyder going for pausing moments... But uh, what really bugs me is he's in this huge metal suit and he jumps on Superman and it breaks through like the glass window and then right. it like, slowly lowers on top of Superman and they don't like break through the other thing. And I'm like, how much does this bat suit weigh? Like just enough to go through a window? Like these are supposed to be like the two like huge and there's no way to them. There's no way to them hitting each other. And I'm really concerned it's uh, that's the cartoon aspect of it. Like it can be dark and gritty, quote unquote, but it's still a cartoon, and that's what Zack Snyder does. I mean, that's what I kind of like about Man of Steel. It's what I hate about Sucker Punch, I suppose. But um, this and and I got a suck. There's a little bit of a Sucker Punch vibe. Yeah, there's a lot of in a terms sucker of punch the movements. What you're describing. Oh, in terms of the movements, this actually has a lot in common with the Owls of Gahul. Um, it, especially if you want to see how he thinks capes move. Uh, that's a good movie to look at in terms of like wings. That's hilarious. Like, goddamn, the, the physics in this movie make no sense in like the 40 seconds I get to see of how things are supposed to work, which is really concerning to me because like... So you're kind of down on this trailer. I'm up on the... The un- I'm up on the world building. Like this is much more together than I thought DC was going to be at this point, but I'm down on the money shots. Especially since this is like our third year hearing about Batman v Superman at Comic Con, 
like and like last year they showed uh, a tease of like the bat suit and the uh, bat light that was also in this trailer. I'm like, take the time and give me like one thing. Like at the end of the IMAX trailer, they have that shot where they're running at each other and they're like about to punch each other. And you know, it was cartoony, but it looked cooler than. Yeah, what's interesting is that there's no real Batman v Superman money shot in this trailer. There's a lot of other crazy stuff. You get your Wonder Woman, you get Jesse Eisenberg doing, doing his something. Lex Luthor, which I kind of dig, although I think on the panel he was saying how it's not going to be corny like the Donner movie versions of Lex Luthor or some of the other iterations of that character. No, his is going to be serious. But his, I mean, with his hair and everything, looks bonkers. And, and the red really capes silly. are coming? Like The red capes, is, so wait, those are the soldiers for Superman? Or what? what is that about? Oh, the God. red capes, I assume, are the guys in the desert who are like taking down Batman. I mean, I th- that's, that's more thought think? than I think it is. I think he's just talking about like the threat of heroes is oh, coming. Oh, red capes are just yeah. Well, because powered. yeah, th- this movie is going to be about uh, Superman's too powerful, and both Lex Luthor and Bruce Wayne are going to try to take uh, Superman down, and then uh, two of those people are going to come to an understanding and <laughs> fight a zombie. But you know, we'll get there later. Fight a zombie. So yeah, that you. You didn't catch uh, whose body shows up? In- no, I did see Zod. You think Zod comes back to life? Do you think that's a hint uh, for the future? I think if he were to come back to life, that day would be full of doom, Mr. Patrick. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, I don't know. God damn, this movie, there's a lot of movie in this movie, is basically what you're there's saying. There's a lot of movie in this movie. But the, the other thing is, is how... Uh, funny it is it's like the how similar the ad campaign is to what civil war's ad campaign is going to be like right down to like uh black panther and wonder woman are both like these separate superheroes who are in charge of their own country that like choose the worst time to try to get in the middle of something yeah we did not get an aquaman tease uh we saw a kid diving after something uh i think there's a little uh, they're being really coy they have uh, they have so much material at this point. It's really interesting to show what they choose or to see what they choose to show. But yeah, I mean the comparison to Civil War. I was thinking about it while watching it, and then you went off on Twitter talking about it, and I only thought of everybody who complains about comic book movies how there's too many or how they're all kind of like blurring into one giant thing. And like, and actually, after watching Ant Man. The way I feel about that is, yes, with all the marketing, with all the craziness, I, I tend to feel the same way. There's just like a gluttony of this material, and it's coming from someone who actually really digs it, but like the marketing is what makes it so aggressive. Uh, but then you see, I like when I saw Ant-Man, a movie I really like, tease that review for later this week, um, I, you know, that goes away from me. I just enjoy these comic book movies. But then, then these movies start look like thematically similar. It really might feel like treading the same territory over and over and over again. Yeah. And actually I was watching the trailer for um, heroes reborn uh, on NBC later, which uh, I did not like heroes the first time, not going to like it the second time. Pretty sure. But heroes reborn has the same thing. It's like hunting. It's kind of the X-Men pattern. We're going to hunt down these mutants because, but in this case it's because they're too powerful, just like civil war and just like this kind of. Um, So it's all seeming to gel it together. I I, I feel like this is not the only thing you could do with comic book heroes but i guess right now for political reasons it is uh this is what everybody's doing i mean if you want to talk about things being thematically similar all the x-men movies are the same it's like right. it's, there's yeah. not a lot of there's you not do a lot feel of, that I, I i certainly do you will yeah you do especially when 
Brian Singer reorients it back to just being about otherness for no reason. Yeah. It's, anyway, but like, wait, actually, the one thing I wanted to say here was going all the way back to what we were, we were talking about. There's no money shot in Batman v Superman. There is no money um, shot in the Batman. They v released Superman art trailer. of. Batman and Superman like staring each other down, but the end of the trailer is this kind of wide shot after ripping open the the Batmobile, um, yeah. And you don't get like in each other's faces moment. I think that's so weird, and it's framed weird. Like, why it's do I care so much weird. about that thing that the Batmobile is up against? Anyway, yeah, yeah. I'm it's very odd. I'm worried for Batman v Superman. I am incredibly pro DC unified universe now. And if their choice is to let each director do their version of grit, I'm totally on board to see. Play. Not exactly how, uh, I'm not exactly sure how it's going to work with the green lantern core, which they announced. Oh yeah. And then, uh, uh yeah, they showed a long haired flash Ezra Miller. They did. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I, I, I have not seen that picture. Uh, they would. Oh. They, they they did that thing where Warner Brothers uh, unveiled the wraparound screen, and the panel started with like their our DC Universe movies, and that's they showed uh, concept art, and that's where they revealed that the Green Lantern Corps was going to be the title. Uh, but yeah, included with that was a Ezra Miller Flash concept art that shows who was in the hair. concept art for uh, for for Green Lantern Corps. Like, I feel like you have to use the image of somebody. What uh, Green Lantern was it? Actually, I'm looking at a really blurry photo right now, and it kind of looks like John Stewart, the third. Uh, oh, you mean the, like which Green Lantern? Yeah, which Green Lantern? Uh, I think that? there was John. There was a John Stewart, and there was a uh, oh, um, uh, Hal Jordan. I think. Really interesting. Interesting. But I think uh, that, uh, there was at least maybe it was so tiny that you know what I was really like. Uh, scrolling through so many things at that point that I wish I paid more attention to Green Lantern. But I'm also weirded out that we didn't hear anything about it. So I'm just going to be okay and assume that the reporting I've done thus far is still, is still solid. <laughs> you're, you're hoping. You're hoping. Hey, uh, Birth Movies Death uh, came around to thinking Chris Pine. So, you know, one, one mind at a time. I guess it could be it, there's going to be multiple Green Lanterns, though. Green Lantern Corps means, I don't know. I mean, what's funny is I feel like people are really down on the first Green Lantern movie because it had so many aliens and it was so weird and it, it focused on the core. Uh, but then they're going to call this movie Green Lantern Corps. Is that just to get away with having multiple human Green Lanterns doing I mean, something? There was a lot of things wrong with the Green Lantern movie. We could discuss no. in detail or we have discussed in detail several <laughs> times. But um, I always thought that like going to Parallax so soon was uh, the problem, not the core. Like I think more of the core is what makes Green Lantern cool, because Hal Jordan's romantic life is not interesting. Uh, yeah, but they put so much of the the like big imagery of Green Lantern, Sinestro, and all, and and Parallax, like doing it all in one movie. I don't know. You have to repurpose that. I guess I don't know. Mm, I mean, it's no, it's going to start. It's going to start mid-universe. Like uh, The Green like, Lanterns are already going to be at work. That's how we're going to get, like, multiple, like, Green Lanterns. Like, they're, yeah. The Green Lantern core exists and is huge and is going to have to, like, face something. But everything uh, 
everything Warner Brothers is doing with their cinematic universe is starts with a team and then uh, peters off into spinoffs rather than oh. starting with their individual ones and throwing. I hope teams. that the Green Lantern Corps movie can incorporate Dritzi RRR, who is a biosentient math equation mm. uh, this time around. Let's get on that, everybody. Maybe he'll be the third build, the math equation, the living math equation. Anyway. I just think, you know, <laughs> don't do parallax, but do do other colored lanterns. Do do. Do do. That um, was, really, do other colored lanterns. Yeah. That is a far out idea. I don't know how you do it in a movie, especially not a first one. You have to teach people what Green Lantern is all about. And then you can be like, wait, no, there are other colors that represent other emotions. People, I mean, we have a Green Lantern movie in this universe, and people still don't really get what Green Lantern is or how it works. We have a works. Green Lantern movie that is not canonically in this universe. No, I'm sorry. When I say in this universe, oh, I mean like in the our real universe. universe. Yes, yeah, our I'm sorry. It's confusing from my seat. You must <laughs> yes. understand. We have it in history. It's, <laughs> it exists. You can watch it right now. Maybe I will. I have it on Blu-ray. I'm looking at it. Um, you, you, you caught the, the shout-out to it, the Deadpool, in the Deadpool footage, I did, right? yeah. Don't make it green. That was hilarious. Or animated. Or animated. That is very funny. Um, <laughs> so that was Warner Brothers, I guess. Batman v Superman, I think it looks good. I mean, I liked Man of Steel. I'm probably the only person who did, but I, I'm, I'm down for all its craziness. Um, I wish it wasn't so serious. And, you know, I, I don't know if I need more, like, 9-11 callbacks going back to that finale from Man of Steel that was so problematic for people uh, and having Ben Affleck there. But, eh. Who knows? It's, it's going to be the first to this uh, superhero so fight um, movie year, uh, but because it doesn't have any humor, I don't think it's going to be the more fun film. Uh, but that being said, I the like three seconds of Superman punching Zod uh, while we're like from his flying perspective in Man of Steel was like basically all I wanted from a Superman movie anyway. So yeah, if they could pull something like that off. If I get some money shots that aren't allusions to comic book covers that you're ripping off, uh, I'm I'm down. I'm down for it. Right. And then there was Man of Uncle, which was just there. Man, Man from, from Uncle. Uncle. Well, I mean, that footage is stylish as hell. I'm I'm down. It looks cool. It looks pretty. Yeah, it looks very slick. And who, people have now seen it and have enjoyed it. I've heard so. Yeah. Who doesn't want to have that type of fun every once in a while? And Henry Cavill looks really good. I mean, he's a little stifled in Man of Steel in terms of what he can do as an actor. Um, but I enjoyed his performance in Man of Steel. I might be the only person there, too. But uh, I think he's a good actor. And he looks, yeah, very dapper and with a lot of swagger in Man from Uncle. And I, I hope he can is allowed to do something like that with Superman this time around. I'm not, it's not the same character. It doesn't call for the same kind of swagger. But uh, he has the chops. He can be emotional. I hope he and Amy Adams get some moments. I like her. Yeah, well, probably. She'll touch his chest a lot. That's fine. I'll live. Um, <laughs> well, let's speed through some Warner of these others. Yeah, okay. that was one. Uh, Hateful Eight looks amazing. They're using lenses from the original Spartacus. Uh, Yo, Marcone is going to score it. We kind of knew he was supplying music for it, and now, no, he's going to do the whole score, which is actually Tarantino's first original score, I believe. It's, it's the be cool. uh, everything about this movie looks fantastic. Well, I, I mean, I'm very excited for it. But I do have to remind myself that I thought Django Unchained was a piece of shit. And I like mm. almost every other Tarantino movie a lot. And I did not like Django at all. Um, so I'm hoping this is not because of, you know, he, he loves Westerns. And a lot of his movies have Western 
themes in them, adapted to different you know scenarios, different locations. Him playing in the Western world did not work, so I'm wondering of going uh, back. Yeah, it didn't. Second. It didn't work for you there. I mean. This is going to be hopefully like a tighter Western story, like a different type of Western story where Django was like... Uh, it was a weird travelogue. It was Maybe. revisionist history folklore. Like, I recently revisited Django, and the only reason I understood it more is because I had actually recently read the Django and Zorro comic book that awesome. he wrote. Awesome. So how was that? I, I, I think great. we actually talked about it on the podcast once. You don't you don't think that yeah you don't you don't think that like those two characters would make sense, but once you really, realize, I think they make total sense. Well, I mean, One, they're both like heroes in weird mythology. You can tell that Django is pulled from all these kind of like a Zorro like character. Definitely. I guess uh, because Tarantino is Tarantino with the way he tries to like show violence or whatnot, it didn't come through the the folklore size. Um, a character of Django didn't come through to me until like the very end when you know plantations are exploding, and I had to like watch it again. I'm like, oh, like he's d- uh, d- Jamie Fox. There we go. <laughs> I was like Jamie Kennedy. No, that's the wrong race. Jamie Kennedy and Jamie Jay. Kennedy's Django. No, Jamie no wonder Fox Spike Lee like didn't this- make that. He didn't like that movie. He's doing this subtle folklore thing. And so when you put him together with a character like Zorro, who's like a classic English gentleman, but then can secretly kick ass, uh, you see what, um, you know, uh, uh, oh, God, uh, Hans Gruber. (laughs) Oh, uh, wait, his name is not Hans Gruber. Yeah, I know. Christoph Waltz? Christoph Waltz. No, Hans Gruber's from Die Hard. Uh, like that's not even his character name for the movie but you got no i was trying to go for to inglorious bastards character name and it's just german and it's got all but like that character being replaced by zoro would have been so much better i'm sad now that i've seen it uh, that that's like that's the team up that you want uh and it it made a lot more sense to me anyway you can you you envision jango unchained with um not a dentist but a masked vigilante warrior yeah, and it, like that's—it's the same dynamic, but it's more fun uh, huh. because he sort of knows what's going on more than the bounty hunter did. The, but, the one thing—oh, are you gonna—you're well, mentioning it, Hateful Eight here? Well, uh, yeah, it, the uh, Hateful Eight I think is going to be a different take on it, but it had me recontextualize Django Unchained as just from a Quentin Tarantino movie to Quentin Tarantino doing folklore through his Western thing. Uh, and I guess you know, that, that sort of deep. Pulls all like the weird slavery controversy out of it, but I'm I'm interested to see him put his uh, very lig- original Spartacus lens on a different type of Western story. <laughs> and it was shot uh, in Colorado, so put big big thumbs. Yeah, up. it's gonna look amazing no matter what. I mean, 70 millimeter uh, is it's. I mean, they were hyping that up at the panel, which I'm glad people can get excited about such things. Um, and it's gonna look gorgeous no matter what. The one thing I wanted to mention from that panel to you. Um, a little girl came up to the microphone. She was dressed as the bride. I had many questions about this. Why does a little girl watch Kill Bill? Maybe, maybe not the best idea. I don't know. I'm not a parent. Maybe this is maybe Kill Bill is now for 12 year old girls. I mean, what's, it most, should tra- be, what's the most traumatizing thing in Kill Bill? She gets married. Um, I don't know. She, doesn't she get? She's pregnant, and three people murder her, and like she's bleeding out after her wedding. I mean, that's horrific. <laughs> I mean, that's all violence. I'm saying, like, as a there's parent- sexual violence in the hospital. She's I mean, kind of like, as, yeah, the only all you're worried about moment. is Buck, Buck who wants to fuck. That's all you'd really be worried about as a parent, right? Yeah, and so maybe so. it's like when my parents would, uh, you know, show me uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and it'd be like, and the ark opens, we're going to fast forward for a little bit. I'm like, what? Uh, maybe like, it, didn't, maybe I, it makes you appreciate your mom a bit, like, you know, like because there's a scene where, well, 
No. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I'm like, there's a scene, there's a scene where she fights uh, Vivica. Is it Vivica Fox? Jesus Christ! Who oh was yeah. In that movie? Yeah, uh, in front of her daughter, kills her in front of her daughter, and and now there's gonna be vengeance or something. Well, but. I mean, and it's, if it's a little girl, I could see being like, you want to see a cool fight movie with little who were yeah, she rides off with her daughter at the end. Yeah, the real the real reason I brought this up was that the little girl wanted to know if he was gonna Quentin Tarantino was gonna make Kill Bill three because it's something we've talked about a lot, and I wanted to know if you thought Kill Bill three was something we'd need in this world because Tarantino loves talking about sequels. He's not really going to make, right. but maybe uh, he will. No, what my, my greatest hope for Quentin Tarantino is he does that thing that he says he's going to do, which is he stops when he stops feeling relevant. But then I want him to keep loving film the way he does and try to edit his own films. Now that he's like in his retirement. And I would like to see the kill bill, whole bloody affair. That he's mm. uh, you know, sanctioned. I don't think we need to expand that story. That story is really good the way it works, and I think it could work as he a did, long movie. He did tease maybe trying to do an HBO show, where he say he would retreat to HBO if that's the only place that would pay him to shoot on film. He would even just well, I, he compares shooting on video to just watching HBO together in a theater, um, and then he kind of drifted into maybe he would do a television show or something someday. <laughs> I would see the shit out of that, obviously. No yeah. matter what, it's a, even if it even if uh, Django is bad and if Hateful Eight sucks, I would still want like Tarantino's extremely violent Lonesome Dove or something. Mm, yeah, HBO would do that in a second. <laughs> yeah, Legends of the Fall by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, I'd see it. Um, what else happened? Zip through these panels. Let's see. Uh, all right. Uh, what? What else? Oh, Legendary. Legendary showed up. Yes. They now did. that they're a Universal uh, team. Yeah, you you Player. you fill me on the legendary panels. I feel like I've been I've been moving through a lot of panels. Yeah, no problem. So legendary show out with Crimson Peak and Guillermo del Toro. So everyone um, exploded because Guillermo del Toro owns Comic Con brains. Um, I think he made an offhand mention that uh, Pacific Rim Two was shooting in November, so that made people lose their minds again. Mm. The little the little brain matter they had left spilled out. I'm very um, happy that Legendary is uh, keeps putting money on big monster movies. I mean, Godzilla paid off for them, and I guess well, Jurassic World Pacific paid Rim off. For paid them. off. Yeah, that's true. Jurassic World, uh, and and Pacific Rim paid off in China, so that's what really matters. Uh, and I hope he gets it right this time. That's all I'll say about Guillermo del Toro. Crimson Peak looks pretty cool. I don't know. I mean, I, I this cool gothic romance, this haunted house story. I hope it's as cool. As it looks, uh, I, I could see him getting too obsessed with the imagery and it and not really being that creepy and not really being that compelling. But he's got an amazing cast: Tom Hilston, Jessica Chastain, um, what's her name? I can't remember. Long uh, <laughs> girl from Alice in Wonderland, Mia Wasikowska. I can't believe I called her from Alice in Wonderland. Jesus, I love Stoker so much. Actually, I hope it's Crimson Peak is just like Stoker, except it's in the nineteenth century. Yeah, and it's blood red. Um, I mean, it looks very cool. I don't think they really revealed anything new uh, in that in that part of the panel, but they showed off some more footage. And this is like this is Guillermo del Toro's wheelhouse. Like the guy's good with genre. And Haunted wheelhouse. Ooh. No, that's exactly it. Like every time I've gotten to talk to the man, he's always talking about like uh, ghost or haunting movies. He's like totally obsessed. That's how we like dredged Mama up from like a short, and was like, "No, this is a whole thing. You're gonna do it, and I'm gonna show you like five movies, and then gave it over to like a new director." 
So like I'm so excited to see him bring all of his expertise to bear finally. And Jessica yeah, Chastain's and in it, so apparently the last Tom Hiddleston was saying on the panel that the last forty minutes are kind of just it barrels to the end. Um, which I'm curious about what that means. Obviously, there's a lot of like romantic setup, and there's a lot of f- family dynamics going on there. They're probably what the Dark Shadows movie should have been, uh, and then it just goes apeshit, crazy scares. Hopefully, till it's uh, for the last 40 minutes. I so. want to see scares, and I want to see weird. It looks really weird. I mean, it looks dazzling too. I mean, they built this house, and uh, it looks like they just spent so much money. But when I see Guillermo del Toro spend money, I just feel bad for the people who gave him the money to spend. But maybe this time, especially I'll since he collects uh, design pieces from his own films. <laughs> yeah. So it's they like we're just making this to make uh, his hallway more attractive. Pretty much, pretty much. What else? So the big part of the legendary panel was, I was surprised he didn't show up with anything Kong related because I think they're shooting that right now. Or maybe the shoot got delayed a little and that's why every, all the cast yeah, had to it, bail. It I got think delayed and then they lost their leads. So that's yeah, sort of, so yeah. they're, they're figuring themselves out. No, no like Kong image though. Um, I, I was really hoping, I, I'm curious what they're going to do with that movie. Well, that was a, out of left field they, from last year, right? Where they're like, yeah, well, but it's come together. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's now come together. So uh, you'd figure they'd have like concept art, but maybe they don't want to let that one out of the bag yet because we'll be seeing it the next year's Comic Con, I'm yeah, sure. Because Godzilla's uh, in it, and they can't reveal that yet. You th- oh my no, god! No, no, I'm joking. No I'm joking. Way. I'm joking. We we do think it'll lead up to that. Though. I mean, it's almost inevitable. Well, I mean, nothing until Rogue One is finished can happen on the Godzilla front. So, but right. I, I I I would think that'd be funny if like they're not showing something from Skull Island because like it's something else. But who knows? Um, but they did show was Warcraft stuff. Uh, Duncan Jones has been working on this movie, I don't know, for a very long time, it seems like. I, I'm pretty sure they shot it you know, last year, and the post-work is insane, like a two-year post-production schedule or something mm-hmm. leading up to next year. Um, and they showed some footage from that, which has not hit the interwebs Um but you have, you've seen the illustrations. The po- they put some posters out, kind of showing the tone, the colors, the char- the orcs. That's a big one for Warcraft if you've played the games. Uh, I have not really played World of Warcraft, but some people. What was in the last the- Warcraft game that you played? Um, Warcraft Three would be the last game. So I, I mean, it's the last Warcraft game that's not. Well, actually, Hearthstone. I play Hearthstone, oh. and if anybody listening to this does, I mean, I will play you on Hearthstone. Wait, wait. Uh, <laughs> you know that I'm like really into that, right? Oh no, we have not played Hearthstone before. Oh Why man, is that? you should see my grim patron be, uh, Hunter deck. I'm gonna I will school be fronting. you. are gonna school me with Hunter? Oh, no, I have, sorry, sorry. My, it's a face hunter. It's a grim hatred, grim patron warrior. But oh well, neither here nor there. For Prepare for my Murloc. Yeah. Um, I wonder if the Murlocs are in oh, this Warcraft oh, movie. God. Hopefully. But the interesting <laughs> thing is, like, they seem to be. Uh, you only need to know, like, from the the plot of the first three games because they're doing that whole two worlds thing. So, like, the orcs right. and the humans and the that, which is sort of it's where building, they go. Job's done. Exactly. It's building more out of the initial games than the world yeah, of Warcraft sure. at this point, which is super fun because I at least sort of know those stories. Uh, but, yeah, I seem to recall them from. The Warcraft cinematics or whatever. They're fighting, but some of them are good and some of them are bad. And orcs and humans can team up to fight common goods in certain uh, situations. Uh, it, the footage seemed to really baffle people like who didn't seem to be in the know about anything, which doesn't – I don't think that really speaks to the quality of the film. 
There's a lot of weird shit in the mm-hmm. Warcraft games. Um, and if you're just pummeling people with that imagery and trying to make sense of it, I, d- I doubt you will. Um, but what do you think of the designs? We, we, we both play Warcraft. We did. Um, yeah. Looks pretty faithful. But I also had a thought that it looks like, I don't know if you saw these Nick Cage faces photoshopped onto Game of Thrones characters. Yes meme that broke like last week it kind of looks like that and i think there's a problem this generation of mo motion capture i'm pretty sure the orcs were motion capture characters um where they have really human looking eyes and features which you think would be a goal you know the the problem with cg characters is you want to pass the um the uncanny valley you want to escape that and and look real have that glimmer in your eye like you're a human um but these orcs have this weird look like nick cage photoshopped onto the their faces that it's part human and part orc and it's not really blended and pure i don't know the one on the poster that they sent out looks kind of strange yeah and then we got one big uh still from like entertainment weekly along with the discussion of the process and i'm like i'm excited as a tech geek because this is the next step in uh performance capture that we're going to see unless andy circus is doing something i don't know about um before jungle book uh but uh like the year long render to try to figure this out is like I, that has to be a lot of detail in mapping these uh people into these characters and if it's like that much just time i'm wondering how much if it's like keyframe or design animated so basically like if this comes out it could be so dazzling a technical achievement that the story could go over people's heads but it's like you know kind of like avatar yeah. except make complex um, but if not, it's going to be like a straight up Robert Zemeckis motion capture film, where just everyone's like, oh. Although Paula Patton, there's been pictures snapped of the banners that were hanging in the halls. And she is a orc human hybrid and looks really weird. <laughs> I, I, I mean, not quite um, Zoe Saldana in Guardians of the Galaxy, just green makeup on her. But she has this weird hybrid look and... I don't know. It was it was deeply unsettling seeing her in a blurry picture like, like that. I find her to be extremely yeah. attractive, and well, I mean, what, uh, what that's if, why you would want her in a movie. But nope, not in this case. You're going to make her part orc and have giant uh, fangs coming out of her and like kind of be bulky in weird places. But you know, it's, yeah. It's, if you're looking, work, at, if work. you're looking at like a timeline of performance capture technology, it's like we figured out how to like do creatures pretty early on. And then it was about, you know, finding expressions and Rise of the Planet of the Apes and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is so cool because they actually have, like, you know, a translation system to make a Andy Serkis's skull an ape skull. And Andy knows how to use his face to manipulate this, like, puppet skull. So it's like this whole performance becomes part of the thing. This is now... The next step, which is they want to make something realistic that could give that nuance to performance that is not based on anything you've ever seen before. And right. that's always the most difficult step. I, I prepare for it. I hope, I mean, again, I mentioned Ryan Johnson being someone I think that I admire and that people seem to really like. Um, Duncan Jones is the same way all over the internet. I think that helps. He's on Twitter. He's very vocal. He's been very uh, transparent throughout the making of this movie and connecting with people on on the tweets. Um, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, I can't even think of the title, of Jake Gyllenhaal time traveling. Source code code, did not like that movie. Moon, good movie. Really great score. He might do the the sequel while we're waiting for Warcraft. Are you fucking kidding me? No, he said uh, since Warcraft's going to take like a year to finish and he's basically got his cut ready, uh, if he could do Mute in 11 months, he said he'd do it. 
Un- oh, mute. Oh, so mute takes place in the same kind of universe as Moon. Yeah, that's, that's, that's mute the one is waiting talking. for Megan Ellison to like jump on board and just kick that in the ass and, uh, down the pipeline. He's got a he's got a window before Warcraft. Interesting. Comes out. Okay, I would want to see mute real bad based on what I've I've read about it. But Moon, I'm kind of like this is good. I, I really like the designs and the acting is interesting. And I'm, I'm not the biggest Moon fan. Love the score. Um, but Moon, Moon is great for how much money it took to make. Sure, exactly. We love the we love the story around Moon. It seems very accomplished. Um, and Warcraft might feel the same way in the end. Um, it just seems like a lot of technology going into this. It's going to be a huge gamble. You know, I just watched all Arnold Schwarzenegger's movies, which meant I watched all of the Conan movies recently again. And God damn it, I am starving for fantasy film. Um, you know, the Dragon Slayer vibe, the true just like I'm basically playing Dungeons and Dragons and watching a big fantasy movie. Lord of the Rings movies aren't exactly that. Um, they get there, but it's not in the Hobbit movies. They're just not. Right. There's no adventure. There's no color. There's no craziness. There's no magic. Warcraft has a lot of magic in it. Um, and I really want Warcraft to do well so they make a Magic the Gathering movie. Um, but oh, Warcraft, <laughs> give me the Urza saga. Uh, yeah, I'm a pretty big nerd. Wait, Magic um, the Gathering actually has like mythology? Oh, yeah. And they wrote novels out of it, too. Oh, yeah, God. the Urza saga is great. It's great. I read all the missing novels. That's about book. as far as I'm going to go with Or it would make a great movie. And the books are okay, but the cards actually tell the story better. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh. But Warcraft, I, I want it to be big, and I want it to be colorful, and I want it to be crazy. And that actually, if all goes right for Warcraft, it could really bomb. I mean, it's the same thing that hurt Green Lantern. It really embraced all of its nerd-ass shit. Um, a phrase David does not like, I know, but... What I really mean by that is the audacity and the, and the color and the imagination of the Green Lantern world. It worked against it for mainstream audiences. You couldn't do it. Can't get enough people in on that. Warcraft say, may suffer from that. I'm going to say it's going to be more like Tron Legacy, where it's just like you base your entire story around a piece of technology that isn't ready yet. That's the worst case scenario for Warcraft right. for me. But a, millions of people play World of Warcraft. How is this movie not going to be huge? I mean, I'm sure, it'll, I'm sure it'll do fine, but in terms of being successful or not, it's like the Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within did fine, but no one says that's a good movie or should remember it ever again. Well, I don't think as many people play Final Fantasy, to be quite honest. But I just want new Hearthstone packs. So that was Legendary's panel, in a nutshell. Um, what else? The, the, the big finale was... Um, 20th Century Fox, which yes. was on Saturday night. So which let's wrap curiously up. Curiously, is really stingy with their footage, but go okay. Yeah, Fox. that was weird. So I mean, they're basically there for Fantastic Four, and I didn't hear anything about Fantastic Four out of the panel. So grounded. That's funny. super it's, realistic and grounded. It's not silly. It's not silly like those other Fantastic Fours. Really, guys, it's going to be fine. Yeah, it's going to be serious. It's got science behind it, and it's got. It's not going to be in 3D, and it's uh, the thing doesn't wear pants for part of it. Yeah, this movie. The, this movie has major PR problems that I hope are not covering up a horrible movie. Well, could they be. have PR problems in your world in the like really in deep on that narrative. I, I mean, I'm not really my my ears to the ground, but not I'm not obsessed with Josh Trank's failures as a human being. Um, I think it'll be fine. I, I mean, I guess what have, what, what, what have you heard about Fantastic Four? This is a good way to judge. Not really. I mean, nothing. Uh, you know, there were reshoots, but yeah, of course there were reshoots. Every movie has the reshoots. reshoots uh, uh, the Johnny Storm's black. Um, and yeah. Simon maybe- Kinsberg probably stepped in and, and 
knocked this one out in the end, you know, took it home. Simon Kinsberg is a really smart guy, an incredible person to talk to, just really knowledgeable, just really um, invested in everything. All these silly things that he's making, Star Wars, Fantastic Four, or X-Men. Um, I, I, I trust him to, like, bring it home, especially because X-Men Days of Future Past, I was not interested in it at all, um, the movie he wrote. And it was good. I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was very... Fulfilling for a little bit of a snack, a superhero snack. Kind- uh, not the best comic book movie, but neither will Fantastic uh, Fantastic Four will not be a great film, but it could be a step up from the past, and it could be a group of characters that they figure out how to weave together that I want to see again. Yes, I just think that it's weird that um, they waited so long to roll out the plot trailer. Um, I still don't really I don't know what the plot is uh, and I think I've watched the trailers um, I know that they go into an alternate dimension I don't really get powers. yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah that's as much as I don't really to know. know okay so I don't really know anything after that like I don't know why Toby Kebbell becomes angry and do, Dr. Doomish um, and I don't really know anything after that the, the big fight scene seems to be in the alternate dimension because they're flying around like floating rocks and shit um, and bursting through them and using all their powers. Don't know much about the movie. It all looks very um, black and purple and blue with a splash of Johnny Storm fire red. Uh, and that's really all I know. And I think it's going to kind of wet fart over August. People will see it and they'll make more. But I don't know. It's not going to make a huge splash. I don't, I don't expect. Yeah, um, it's a weird outlier in an otherwise mutant-centric 20th Century Fox comic book world. And, uh, but Deadpool's not really a mutant. Yes, se. he is. He, does, he is a mutant? I thought he was just disease-ridden, and he actually works with mutants. Well, I mean, we'll see how it comes out in the movie, but yeah, he's a mutant. Oh, interesting. That's, yeah, why, so- that's why Fox has him as a property at all. They didn't ah, buy so Deadpool anything separately. Mutant, anything yeah, mutant. They got all the mutants. Then. So how did Fantastic... Well, Fantastic Four was just part of another buy. Like Fantastic an av- Four was bought separately. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's just skip Fantastic Four because that is on the horizon. We will judge that fairly in its, in its full form. That's Deadpool. Right. Deadpool. Yeah. Uh, this movie that came together thanks to Twitter. Yeah, it came together thanks to Twitter. It looks like they're doing the leaked script, which is good because that script is amazing. That's what our buddy Rob Liefeld seems to be saying, or he has been saying for the last eight years. Yes. Uh, so that that happened, and the footage, which we were not supposed to see, has been online. I will not link you to it because we are merely voices. www.youtube. <laughs> um, but we have seen this footage. Yes. And it looks fun. But it looks a little hokier than I expected. It didn't slide off the uh, Ryan Reynolds' tongue as as swiftly and elegantly as I expected it to. But it looks like a blast. There's a lot of violence. Yes. Uh, his delivery is not how I pictured it. I guess I don't know why I would picture something different. But It's hard to say. It's much easier to write that way, I think, than to try and sound like this person. Right, um, because and, he's such a, a de, you know, he's a construct of fiction. His whole thing is breaking the fourth wall and not really being tied to a reality. He he seems aware of the fact that he's a comic book character. Much harder to do in a movie, and they're trying to do it a little bit. I mean, I'm, as we mentioned, there's a Green Lantern joke, and right. it's pretty funny. And I mean, the best thing that this 
I guess that Deadpool has going for it is that its ad campaign can build that in so the movie isn't so weird, which is what they did at the panel, like having him introduce it uh, in in comedy er, with a little bit of snippet of footage with him in the Deadpool costume. Um, and then, you know, having him address the trailer by saying, like, cue the music, and like, which is going to happen in the movie. Um, but just sort of like, it's like the character was built to promote a movie that nobody would ever see. And yeah. while we're while we're in that zone, like I'll watch endless Deadpool trailers like over and over again. It's just if I didn't know that the script actually did have a plot that I didn't mind, I would be worried. But it looks like everything with a, a few jokes being updated to an older Ryan Reynolds who has played Green Lantern and everything else looks to be in place. Right. Yeah, that is really funny. You know, I'm surprised Deadpool didn't happen after Wanted. Because, you know, people were only making R-rated movies, but Wanted was kind of hard R, and it was weird, and it was very bloody Mm -hmm. uh, and stylized, and it it seems like that would have been the perfect time for a Deadpool movie. Um, But I do think this movie will do well. After John Wick, uh, you know, you get a John Wick vibe. It's very violent. A lot of shooting people in the head. (laughs) Um, This could be the John Wick answer. People will see this movie in February. We'll be starving for it. Yeah, Um, I think the comedy uh, hard R... I just uh, want Ryan Reynolds to get a, a hit. Yeah. Just to like let him have one superhero, you is what you're saying? Well, even his other... I mean, this weekend, Selfless came out in <laughs> Bond. Uh, I don't even have to look to confirm that. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Pretty sure it bombed. Um, and I just... I like the guy so much. I really like watching him in different movies and seeing, you know, how his, his motor mouth uh, personality can be stretched and... and warped for different situations and obviously he's been trying to play this character for many many years um and to see it kind of work in this raggy raggedy footage um is is not terribly encouraging i guess but i'm i just wanted to have a hit and uh, this seems like a perfect match so i hope it's good it's weird here's where you can kind of fill me in a little bit in this footage we get to see him with colossus Yes. For some reason, and somebody with a really funny name that I cannot remember because it's long, um, who has like telekinetic powers. I don't know what is that about. Teenage nigga. Yes, that and joke is very funny. Where he's like, that's "That cool- is the coolest name." Yeah, most badass uh, name ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. I don't really know how. It doesn't seem like he meshes with the comic booky aspects of it. Other characters. I mean, obviously, he has in comic history. Uh, but kind of coming out the gates with that, uh, you don't you see him independent of the Marvel universe, but, but not so. I mean, that's where where the power of the Deadpool character lies is being able to call Colossus like a silver cock, cock knocker. Like that's the the premium the character has now is ultra violence and being able to equip like that. I don't know if breaking the fourth wall, I would say is like a premium that I would necessarily use a lot in the movie, like maybe once or twice. Right. But like, yeah, you want him to make fun of Colossus because you've but seen how Colossus. But how are they going to work those mutants in? Like they just seem it, like they're part of a very serious Brian Singer movie that's taking itself seriously. And this movie is not so much. It's lighter and, and crazier and, just playing into what Ryan Reynolds can do with this, these parameters. But by incorporating kind of a mythology into it, it seems like that could work against it. Yeah. Um, uh, Colossus is sort of sent to, uh, around, I think it's like, I don't know, if it hasn't changed, it's like fairly early on where the, everyone's trying to get a read on who this guy in the red suit is. 
and um, oh, so he's basically like hitting the scene. It's like yeah, he's like hitting the scene. It's like okay. is this guy destructive? And like maybe the X Men would want to check that out, but like not all of them because right. I'd just be a dude. Do you think that there's like Professor X cameo here? Going find him? No, Cerebro, Cerebro. Uh, no, Go I don't. I think that's too much. Uh, maybe that's definitely the sort of thing that I would expect uh, Fox to you know like add to it, but. I, I think right. I think Deadpool is going to be like. I mean, I haven't seen Ant Man, but from what I've heard, like the Ant Man of the X Men universe, where like he's there uh, well, and maybe he'll pop the, up. Ant Man's pretty tethered into the Marvel universe. Well, I, no, I, will say I that. mean, he. They reference that it exists, and he meets some people, but like it's not. You know, you can't call Tony Stark around, right? It's like this guy's. That's, this guy, I don't think you're gonna, you know, have like Michael Fassbender show up in a Deadpool scene, but yeah, the X-Men exist. You're probably going to hear some stuff and uh class is going to show up. Um, and, and Channing Tatum was at this panel to be like, Hey, I'm going to be Gambit. Yep. And that's it. <laughs> it's uh, you know, old, everything old is new again. And the Channing Tatum Gambit news. It's that's true. I mean, we've learned absolutely nothing. No one is on board to direct the movie. There have been some people flirting with it, I guess. But uh, no real actual news, and they had none to to trumpet at this thing. Yeah, which is weird. <laughs> There's not. There, when is this movie supposed to happen? Maybe we've um, gotten to the point where Comic Con is uh, not at all about announcing future things. Right. It's just a parade. It's like we're here to take this selfie. Let's do it. Right. And it's like you could kind of see it with like the Deadpool panel, where it's like, hey, we're doing a movie. Hey. Everybody gets to say three sentences about their character. Hey, here's some footage. Stand up, wave, walk off. And it's like, do it. Do I, it, Hardwick. I, it would have been great at least for like a little bit of a Cajun accent or something. Like, good looking. Something like, I can't do a Cajun accent. That was Yeah, boring. but then he's but, like, yeah, he's going to lock himself in. And then, you know, like, Channing Tatum gets fired. Or like, <laughs> all of a sudden he wakes up and he's like the lead of another Ghostbuster movie. And he doesn't know. Like, the, okay. like it happened last time. He said anything about Gambit. Um, well, they wrapped up with X-Men Apocalypse, which is shooting now. It's going to come out next summer. It's the sequel to Day of the Future Past. Brian Singer is back after a horrendous uh, <laughs> scandal, whatever, Good, uh, media Brian. hoopla. Can't believe he's back, but he's back. Um, and people seem to like that. I mean, I'm happy. Days of Future Past was good. The allegations are not, not to really be true. Well, whatever. Well, and not, now not he's as making provably it. true. I mean... There was probably some shady business. If I and, if I forgave uh, Michael Jackson, I have to legally forgive uh, Brian Singer. I think Michael Jackson did worse things than Brian Singer, but this is certainly not the place legally, to speculate. Legally, or, neither of them did anything. Allegedly, is, maybe they did things. I can't. Alleged, I'm talking them. about alleged. the The allegations seem worse on the Michael Jackson front, but I'm not going to stand up here and defend Brian Singer. We've all moved past it, maybe, and now he's made a movie. <laughs> We've all moved past it, maybe, maybe. Um, and there's a lot of people in it. It's hard to tell who is actually in this movie. Michael Fassbender is in it, Magneto, and apparently, according to footage, Magneto has like hung up his hat, or he hasn't really been working. For a little while, and whatever job he has, which is causing chaos. Yeah, he hasn't been uh, <laughs> forming any anti X Men. Right. He, yeah, he hasn't been annihilating politicians. Uh, you'd think he's in jail. Maybe he is. Who knows what's actually happening? Um, James McAvoy is back as Xavier, and he lost his hair. 
he is bald in this movie, which was a big like reveal at the end of the trailer that they yeah. played. I think there was like three uh, like like images that uh, we're we're supposed to pull away from this. One is Sophie Turner's Jean Grey. Um, what was that? Just her showing up, or did she do a little power move? She dreams of like a nuke blast or like the future, the apocalypse, if you will. And uh, oh, like, she yeah. gets woken up by uh, James McAvoy. So that's we get to see her. Uh, I think there's a Cyclops moment with Ty Sheridan, who's now playing Cyclops. There's a Cyclops. Oh, yeah, so four, I guess. I guess there's a lot of moments. And we get to see Apocalypse, obviously, and then Charles Bald, Charles Xavier in his wheelchair. Those are all like, hey, the, this movie's for you, X-Men fans. Quicksilver is back. There's a moment in the trailer of Quicksilver running, which I'm happy about, because Quicksilver, Quicksilver in X-Men, Days of Future Past, better than Avengers Age of Ultron. I think we can all almost agree there. And I like both movies. And I probably like Age of Ultron better. But as far as the Quicksilver department, I think the like 3,000 frames per second scene in Days of Future Past is more exciting and, and crazy and fun than almost anything in Age of Ultron. Yeah, or anything else in that movie. I've yeah, so many no, times uh, just told people they could stop watching after that, that scene. So he's back. He's yeah. running. He continues to run. Um, and Apocalypse. So what the hell? Um, Apocalypse, there's a poster floating around. I can't. I have not actually seen a picture of whatever the trailer was of, of Oscar Isaac as Apocalypse. But there is a tr- there's a poster that they were handing out on the floor and gives you kind of an illustrated look at him. Um, and he looks kind of like how he's been illustrated in the comics throughout time. Maybe um, not, not as uh, clunky, not as boxy. He's a little sleeker. He might be the Ultron answer to uh, Apocalypse, but it's Apocalypse. Yes, and not Oscar Isaac. At least in that art that I could tell, so maybe it's going to be like really crazy. But yeah, I didn't. Well, that's uh, what the tweets, the tweets out of Hall H were like. He, that doesn't look like Oscar Isaac at all, right? I and I did not get to see a blurry periscope version of this yet. I'm sure I could like find it. But like, yeah, I'm interested to see uh, him try to make this character interesting. Basically, like, uh, strangely, out of all the purple skinned characters. Uh, which would be Darkseid in DC, Darkseid in DC, um, uh, Thanos in Marvel, and uh, Apocalypse here. We got to the X-Men first. So Oscar Isaac's going to get his first shot at uh, making a big CG purple guy threatening. And I'm interested to see what he does. And I wish I I was encouraged by what I was able to hear from the trailer. Um, And yeah, so it sounds... Oh, really? Yeah. I have not seen it. Um, does he have a cool voice or is it kind of Oscar Isaac voice? Uh, he's got like a growly, he's doing, he's doing a thing. He's not like, uh, ex machina duding it up. As, uh, that would be awesome. I mean, he's yeah, just that drunk. would be awesome. You're like, you want to see what I could do? That's what I do. Um, but he has four horsemen. Mm-hmm. He has Psylocke. He has, he, uh, wait, in what? He's got his suit his giant, oh, he has giant apocalypse suit. suit. Yeah, but he's like commanding people, I guess. I, you know, I, I thought I knew more about Apocalypse, but the more I think about it, I don't really understand what he would be doing in this movie. I guess he's just trying to end people or like rule with an iron fist. But Psylocke, played by Olivia Munn, is one of his right-hand people, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who else. Are, are, is, is Jean Grey like one of these people? Is that the no, case? No, I would think, I would imagine Angel would be because we've seen concept art with him, both with his uh, oh, normal right, wings right. and his metal wings. 
Uh, Ooh, and that's Archangel. One his, yeah, so that's gonna that's gonna come up. Uh, but yeah, I. It's not my Star Wars, but this one I'm perfectly fine walking into and being surprised by. I mean, I'm not going to get to. Which is how I felt about Days of Future Past, too, I think. I'm not going to get to because at some point people are going to start asking me questions about what it's about and I'm going to have to try to figure (laughs) out. But, like, at this point, I'm happy. You fall on your sword for the people. Yeah, I'll take the the PR that's given to me at this point and be happy with it. So, yeah, I'm not exactly sure who the horsemen are, but I'm sure somewhere on the internet everybody has this all broken down. And and people seemed thrilled. I mean, seeing all of the X Men, seeing Stan Lee showed up to that panel, and so everyone went crazy because uh, I guess people still get excited to see Stan Lee. Uh, and that was that. I mean, not nothing, no big announcements or cross pollination plans. You know, they didn't have to. They didn't come out with uh, their dicks swinging to measure up to Warner Brothers or something, which is probably to their benefit. I mean. Warner Brothers has a lot to lose because they can fall pretty far uh, planning through 2019 and like mashing up all their heroes into one giant movie. Yeah. Um, 20th Century Fox and, and the Marvel properties they own seem to be playing it pretty cool. And that's well, they that's pulled fine. off. They pulled off their big trick last year, uh, getting like uh, two X-Men casts together and writing the timeline. And everyone was like, this is fine. And like basically yeah. reviving the X Men franchise. Uh, I would which, expect this movie to be bigger than Days of Future Past, if only because it has to be. What's the selling point? I mean, Days of Future Past, yeah, had the two timelines converging. Awesome, well, get all the, them the, back in one. It's the trilogy capper, and like unlike other um, Marvel properties elsewhere, this is like it. Like it doesn't really feel like a trilogy capper. We know there's we know there's going to be a Gambit movie, and uh, we. They, like think that eventually they want to like get Fantastic Four and X Men to cross over, but there aren't like future X Men movies that we know a lot about. So this is it's like so the weird that like Jennifer Lawrence is in this movie, that Michael Fassbender is in this movie. It just feels so much bigger than they are, and they don't feel essential to it. You know, they don't even feel as essential as the original cast to those characters. Yeah, um, I, there's no thrill. Like if they ever brought Fassbender back to play Magneto, I'd be like, all right. I can't see myself getting really excited for his return, but I like Fastbender's Magneto. Uh, the other two, or the other, th- I guess three, if you count Nicholas Holt, uh, leads of this new trilogy. Right. I, could, I could give or give or take. Oh, McAvoy. Ma- Ma- McAvoy's good, but like I love he's, follow- he's following up Patrick Stewart, who I would yeah. watch and have watched read like horrible plays. <laughs> uh, and that that's pretty much Comic Con in a nutshell. Shell. I don't know. Did I forget anything? Is there one or two things that you think are, that like popped out that we should be on the look for? I'm going to let Thought Bubble talk about television because we've talked about so much shit here already. But yeah, I guess the one thing that we're not going to probably talk about in the Thought Bubble that's television related is uh, the Hannibal panel released five minutes of the last part of its now canceled season three. It looks like Red Dragon. Yes, and I'm so psyched to see TV Red Dragon. Like uh, um, I don't, I don't know if you've been watching Hannibal, but it's basically like a goddamn art film in uh, hour-long installments now. I've really been enjoying um, what's his name? God, Vincenzo Nettili, the guy who did. Um, oh yeah, the, as a director, directs a lot of the episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he's and really he's been good. posting his concept art and, and and storyboards for it. And yeah, I mean, it can be really uh, phantasmagoric, might be the right word for Hannibal. But actually, seeing shots of of um, oh God, what's his name from The Hobbit? He's playing 
the Red Dragon. Richard Armitage? Yes, Richard Armitage. Um, I mean, you have to shoot Red Dragon in kind of a similar way to how Brett Ratner did, which was like, here's his back and here's he's, he's flexing and we're like, you know, making pornography out of the the tattoo reveal and it's going to be really weird. Um, kind of have to do that. So it, it rings a little similar to the Brett Ratner, but obviously there's a lot more color and it's a lot more expressionistic than Red Dragon the movie ever got. So it looks pretty cool. Well, I mean, yeah. And also this series is done really well with setting you up with thinking, you know, what these characters are going to do and then doing something different. So I totally buy that this Comic-Con trailer is the beats of Red Dragon. I do awesome. not think it's going to play out that way on screen, which is what has me like. So that's exciting. exciting. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, yeah, there were a little few things that I, I'll throw out here as we wrap up. The Joss Whedon panel sounded awesome, just like him holding court and people asking him questions. Uh, he sounds very exhausted of Marvel and happy to be uh, have that behind him. And I don't blame him. He's doing a comic book. His next project is this comic book twist, which he describes as a Victorian female Batman. And the cover of it kind of looks like Mina from League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and ah. Dracula, obviously. She's wearing a big red scarf, and she looks just like Mina. But you know what? Victorian female Batman sounds amazing. And I would not be surprised if Joss Whedon has figured out that like you should probably just make comic books of whatever TV or movies you want to do because that's you're putting your storyboards out there for executives and nerds to eat up. So that's how you get shit made. I I would be shocked if he didn't turn this thing into a movie or TV show at some point. Um, but maybe he'll just stick to comic books. Who knows? That's probably the most personal, intimate way to, to, for him to make art at this point. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad he's doing his thing. Um, I don't think he's necessarily a film director. I think we figured that out. He's uh, very good uh, doing it, but uh, I don't see the same passion as I did in him really? as a storyteller or a I could see him doing, figuring out a way. I mean, I would love for him to bring back the like $60 million blockbuster and try and do Firefly-esque sci-fi or something on that level that kind of has a TV vibe. It's just character-centric with a big world behind him with enough money to do it in a big way and just basically tell stories the way that everyone else in Hollywood is telling stories right now. Serialized storytelling, but on the, in, on the movie screen. He is, a, he is a film director at this point when all storytelling is serialized. Oh, but that's still just like a writer producer. Like, I'm just saying he's not a, like if, if he's in a medium where he has the most control over his story, that's the medium he should be in. It's not tentpole film directing. Right. I don't think he's, not tentpole. Yeah, I don't think he should be making tentpole movies. I think a lot of people could have directed Age of Ultron. I don't think a lot of people could have written that. Well, we'll movie basically know for sure when uh, yeah, all the balls when in Infinity War Part looks one. exactly like Age of Ultron. Um, I mean, there's no stamp. Marvel is itself. So yeah. Uh, anyway, well, that, that's the thing though. It's the Rousseau brothers who are such genre players that I think Infinity War might have a stamp. But we'll get there several years from now. Yeah, we will, and I'll probably contend with on that fact later. Uh, and just a few more things. Ash vs. the Evil Dead looks awesome. I was yes. really surprised by that trailer, just to see that you know Bruce Campbell can slip back into that character. It doesn't look forced. It looks like a lot of fun. It's super bloody. It has all the you know Ramiisms with the the speedy cams and all the violence. It looks really fun. It looks a lot more fun than something like Walking Dead. 
and I'd much rather play in the campy zombie world with and stick to the weird mythology of the Necromicon and all that crap. Uh, that looks so much fun. I can't wait to watch that show. Yeah. Uh, uh, Who cares about The Walking Dead? I don't yeah, understand how that show's popular. It is the worst popular show on television. I really don't get it. And I probably, because of that fact, won't give Robert Kirkman's other show, which debuted some stuff at Comic-Con. I probably won't give that a chance because I'm an asshole. And I have too much to do. Well, Robert Kirkman's Kirkman. part of the, what, Transformers story room. So uh, he's got a, a couple of shots left in the, the chances bag for me. Uh, I don't think he does when you're in the fucking Transformers I feel for those guys. Story. I feel for those guys, man. They're just people like you and me that like wrote one good movie, and now they have to come up with seventeen Transformers movies. I, I like at this point. It's I don't pity. feel for that. I'm fuck that. <laughs> do it. Do something else. Say no. It's Turn like away the money. No, it's like how I feel like Damon, about Damon Lindelof. Dude just goes in and gives it his all, and like every once in a while, we just take him to task for it. But you know, I will wait for Robert Kirkman's inevitable invincible movie because i think he signed a deal at universal and i that feels like the only thing he can do an invincible movie so i hope that works out um but speaking of amc the last thing i want to talk about because i didn't think you guys would get to this on the thought bubble just stumbled upon this this into the badlands show have you heard about this at all no it is gonna air on amc it is, quote-unquote, a genre-bending martial arts series very loosely based on the uh, Chinese tale Journey to the West. I don't need to see anything else based on Journey to the West, frankly. Um, see the <laughs> Stephen Chow movie, which is not good, but it was the la- one of the la- other <laughs> Journey to the West things. Watch Dragon Ball or something. I don't know. There's just so many Journey to the West ad- adaptations. Don't need another one. But, but, this trailer looks pretty freaking cool. You know that show Kings that yes. was on NBC, like that alt-universe? Mm-hmm. So it's like think Kings meets 12 Years a Slave meets the Grandmaster. And that's kind of what this looks like. So it's like Kung Fu, but it has a dark, rainy edge to that. Uh, the trailer does. And yet, in this alternate universe, like white and black people are being enslaved to pick roses or some shit? I have absolutely no idea. It looks very strange. And AMC, I mean, they just premiered this show, Humans, to absolutely no fanfare whatsoever. So maybe this show will you know, suffer because it's terrible and they don't want anyone to know about it and they'll put it on in the background. Um, but it looks bonkers. So I will, I, will, I will check it out. It looks a lot better than humans. Hey, I mean, at least looking interesting is that's the minimum bar for a Comic-Con presentation. Exactly. Um, well, that's all I've got. You? Uh, I'm looking forward to the Sherlock Victorian special. That'll yeah, be cool. It. Is I that like a standalone that. thing? That's not playing into the, the storylines at all. Yeah, I it's mean, just standalone. It's very meta. It's like, what if we took our modernized version of Sherlock and put him back in the Victorian area? What could we mine out of that? That'll be really fun. Yeah. Um, anything else? You guys are going to talk about Arrow and Flash and all. Oh, yeah. Everything that's that comic book based and like actual comic things that happened. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. How Lumberjanes uh, won all the awards. Because it's just so deserving. Did you watch that Vixen trailer for their animated spinoff of Arrow Flash? Weird. It's weird. Uh, it's a There's a lot of like, check out that hotness. It's Vixen. I'm going to call her Vixen. Weird. It's weird. It's, uh, I don't like it. The, I'm writing my think, think piece right now. Yeah, all right. Yeah, we will definitely spend some time in the Thought Bubble talking about the DC television universe because, yeah, things were revealed. All right, that was a shit ton of movie and slightly TV talk. Um, 
we will be back tomorrow. Is that no regular Wednesday, episodes Tuesday? on Tuesdays, thought bubbles on Thursdays, yes. and reviews <laughs> on Fridays. <laughs> That's it. We will be back this week. Um, but we hope you enjoyed this indulgence into Comic-Con culture. Uh, well, let's sign off here, Dave. Where where can we find you? Uh, you can find my work at geek.com, forbes.com, latino-review.com, my podcast at fightinginthewarroom.com, and tweeting at DA7E. And I'm Matt Patches. I'm a senior writer at Esquire.com, and I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. And you should all rewatch. You should watch Korra, The Legend of Korra. Actually, you should rewatch Avatar: Last Airbender, and then Korra. It's all on Amazon and Hulu, I think, right now. So you should do that, and then listen to Dave and I's podcast, Republic City Dispatch. Uh, Joe, Anna Robinson is on that. Yeah, as well. beat the heat. Watch anime and listen to podcasts inside. Yeah, it's fun. Stay in. Um, so until later this week. Goodbye. <laughs>